Coming up, what are some things the D-backs can do after that game one loss to at least ensure a series split? We'll have four ideas written down, so let's talk about it. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Miller Thomas of Locked On Dimebacks here, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at creatorthomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked On Dimebacks, both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. Before we talk about things that, you know, ideas I've written down to at least get the D-backs a series split, I first need to talk about game one in this series against the LA Dodgers because if you want this to be a prove-it game for the D-backs because they always come back against the bad teams, that's what they've been doing all week, um, well, better luck tomorrow because this game was about two terrible things. Terrible pitching and terrible defense at second base by Ketel Marte. Actually, it was just about defense overall at second base because Ketel Marte played bad defense while Gavin Lux played good defense. So let's dive into it because the Dodgers from the jump were all over the D-backs. I mean... In totality, the Dodgers scored 14 runs. They scored, uh, they had 24 hits as a team. I mean, by the ninth inning, we had Jake Hager on the mound, a position player pitching, because it got so disgusting out there. And Castellanos was rocked from the jump. He gave up six runs in the first two innings of the ball game and just did not look good up there on the mound. I mean, he looked terrible up there on the mound. He looked bad, real bad. Um, this start and the start against the Cardinals were the only two starts all season we've given up more than three earned runs. So Cassianos has been very serviceable this year, but the Cardinals, the Dodgers, those teams are above 500. So it's not a shock that Cassianos has struggled against the good teams this season. And the Dodgers hitters were locked in on his sinker ball, 95 mile an hour exit velocity against that Cassianos sinker ball. And that's one of the reasons why I don't really like these low velo single ball pitchers because all their pitches are going to be thrown around the same velocity yes they might you know come in at different arm angles and have different movement but if your stuff isn't nasty then a lot of it's gonna look kind of similar and I don't think Cassiano's stuff is nasty that's why I think the Dodgers were able to lock in on those sinker balls and just kind of wait in on them I counted I think two doubles and a home run there was two strikes on the count so even though there would be two strikes for these Dodgers hitters they were still able to get extra base hits because they were not afraid of any pitch Cassiano's was going to throw and even though he gave up six earned runs in those first two innings he still is somehow able to go four innings because Toy Lovello desperately needed some length from his rotation and he was not going to put the bullpen in there in the second ending, so he kind of made Cassianos wear this one a little bit, but uh, I guess Cassianos got through four, which is a silver lining in his start, but it did not get much better once he came out the game because Luis Frias came in after him, and we 
all want Luis Frias to work out. I think Lindsey Crosby, one of his bold predictions was Luis Frias working out this season, and it did not work out for Luis Frias tonight because that six inning seemed like batting practice for the Dodgers. I mean, every dude that came up felt like he got a hit or an extra base hit, if that. He gave up four earned runs in the sixth inning, and he just ballooned the lead to double digits. Luis Frias, as we talked about, he's got the stuff. His fastball averaged 96 miles an hour tonight, but guess what? The exit velo on his fastball averaged 94 miles per hour. So as fast as it came in, also left as quickly as well. He's got the nasty breaking stuff. He's got the velo. He's got the triple digit velo. He's got the tools that uh, he's got the tools of a reliever of someone who we don't currently have in the bullpen. Of course, we have Luis Frias there, but when Frias is not there, we don't have that triple digit guy with the nasty breaking stuff. Frias's problem is he can't command his stuff, and that was evident again tonight against the LA Dodgers. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, then of course, after Frias came out, Caleb Smith had to get in on the action. He gave up a two run bomb to Chris Taylor in the eighth inning. This was just a terrible game by the pitching, starting pitching relievers. It did not matter who came in, the Dodgers were locked in on whatever. Ever they were throwing and the other negative of today was Keto Marte's defense like I don't know what happened to Keto Marte in today's game but he had the yips whether it be indecision on fielding balls you know he didn't know whether to go for it or not or whether it was just messing up when you did try to feel those balls, it just did not look like good Ketel Marte defense tonight. And it's kind of funny because in that first game, not the first game, in that first series against the LA Dodgers, it was Gavin Lux, their second baseman, the Dodgers second baseman, who seemed to have the yips. And he would just, he couldn't even make a throw to first base during that series. Do you guys remember that? He was struggling to throw the ball to first in that series. And you look at Ketel Marte tonight, he didn't have trouble throwing it to first, but it seemed like he had the trouble uh, picking the ball up in the first place so um hopefully Ketel Marte can get that figured out because on the other side Gavin Lux was incredible defensively tonight I mean he made some great stops in the infield he saved a couple balls from leaving the infield and maybe a run scored on one of those plays where Lux is not able to make the defensive highlight but he was and there was not a lot going for the D-backs in tonight's game not a lot of silver linings overall but one positive of the game was Christian Walker's solo shot for his eighth bomb of May. I believe he's tied for the most home runs against the LA Dodgers in the last two years or maybe since 2019. I saw the stat um, come up on the ticker on the TV. So it might have been since 2019. I probably should have written it down. But I think he has ter- I think he has 13 home runs against the Dodgers in the last two seasons tied for the most with Fernando Tatis maybe it's the last three seasons I should get that one corrected for you guys I'm so sorry but if you want to know um about the home run some more 106 miles an hour off the bat 416 feet so it was absolutely crushed by Christian Walker so usually after the wins we like to hand out three stars to three guys who we thought were the most impactful players in the game, right? The Coyotes do this. I don't know if every hockey team does this, honestly. I only know about the Coyotes. I don't know a lot about the NHL. So I know the Coyotes like to hand out three stars after their home wins, and the D-backs didn't win today. So we're going to hand out three moons because I want to think of what the opposite of a star was, and that's technically a black hole, but I felt... I felt like Black Hole was just a little bit too negative, a little bit too dark. So we're going with three moons. I chose the moon because it represents the players who played like it was time for night-night. So the three moons of the game. First moon, Humberto Castellanos. Let me pull up his stat line because Castellanos, four innings pitched, 10 hits, six earned runs, and a home run allowed. Disgusting. 
Second moon of the game, Luis Frias. Dude, I want you to work out, but you have not been good every time I've seen you for the D-backs. 2.2 innings pitch, 8 hits, 4 earned runs, 2 walks. He has a 13.5 ERA. Now the third moon of the game, Quetzal Marte. Quetzal, I love you. You were able to leg out a single toward the end of the game, but... You were just terrible defensively tonight, and you are kind of hit or miss sometimes defensively at second base, and tonight was one of those nights where you were missing. So hopefully Ketel Marte can pick it up the rest of the series because you can't play bad defense against this Dodgers team. Their offense is way too explosive. They will capitalize on your mistakes, and we saw a lot of mistakes by the pitching today that the Dodgers were able to capitalize on, a lot of mistakes by the defense that the Dodgers were able to capitalize on, and hopefully over the next few days the D-backs can capitalize on some of the Dodgers mistakes because I got some ideas on how the D-backs could get a boost to beat the Dodgers but maybe if they maybe if the D-backs want a boost they just have to eat a built bar because we've been asking and built bar delivered they now have built granola bars and they are absolutely delicious so go get your own built bar because like the puff bars they're covered in 100% real chocolate they are soft they are easy to chew the reason why I love built bars is because I'm a health conscious guy I try to work out when I can I try to eat healthy but the problem is I have a sweet tooth I like to eat junk food but it's okay because built bar tricks me in reality I think that I'm eating a can well excuse me I got that backwards in reality, I'm eating a protein bar when I think that I'm eating a candy bar. So Bill Bar does a great job of tricking me in that area. I'm actually eating something healthy when I think it's a dessert. So if you want your own Bill Bar, just go to Bill.com. Use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Bill.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast and let's now discuss some things I'm keeping my eye out for, some things that the D-backs could do to maybe get a, a series split against the LA Dodgers. So the first thing I want to talk about is something pretty simple, but I need the offense to keep mashing home runs. We saw it by Christian Walker today. The D-backs have the most home runs in May. I believe they have 37 home runs now in the month of May after that Christian Walker home run. So they've been absolutely killing it, but they have not been killing it against the LA Dodgers this season. We saw that Walker Bueller complete game shutout. You got the one run tonight, courtesy of Christian Walker. And entering Thursday's game, so before Thursday's game, the D-backs only had 24 runs in seven games against LA. So now you can make it 25 runs in a in eight games against LA this season. Meanwhile, the Dodgers scored 29 runs in just their last series alone. Now you could tack on another 14 runs to that 29 run scored in just their last series. The D-backs, for some reason, offensively, just haven't been able to do anything against the Dodgers. And part of it is because the Dodgers have some elite pitchers, right? Julio Urias, they have Walker Bueller, of course, Clint Kershaw when he's healthy. But tonight, I don't even know who this is. Mitch White win today? Like, isn't that the backup for the New York Jets or something like that? I'm pretty sure that's Mike White. Like, I don't even know who Mitch White is, and he had a pretty good start against this D-backs team. The D-backs on the season, 182 average and a 557 OPS against the LA Dodgers. Just not getting it done. In their last series, the D-backs, 43 combined Hits and walks. That's total. Hits and walks combined, 43 by the D-backs. 
They had 42 strikes in that series. So they had 43 combined hits and walks versus 42 strikes. That is not going to get it done. Meanwhile, the Dodgers just hits in their last series, not counting walks, 37. They almost had as many hits as the D-backs had. Hits and walks in their last series against each other. The D-backs offense has not been getting it done. Now, they have been getting it done in the month of May. Like I said, most home runs entering May. Most home runs in May entering Thursday. Christian Walker was able to tack on one more to that lead. The D-backs have eight different guys with an OPS above 800 in May, if you could believe that. So there's a lot of players in this lineup that are heating up right now, heating up over the last month. But for some reason, it doesn't happen against the Dodgers. It only happens against the bad team. The one guy who I like to see heat up is Gerardo Perdomo. And last time we called someone shot, Jose uh, Josh Rojas had three bombs. David Peralta had two bombs. And Pavin Smith had a bomb as well. So I'm calling the shot now for Geraldo Perdomo because I want Perdomo to get a home run. I want his first home run of the season to come against the LA Dodgers. We'll see if it can happen, but I'm praying it does. The Dodgers offense is always hot. I mean, they've been hot against the D-backs all season, but even outside the D-backs, the Dodgers offense is just hot. They have led the NL in runs in May by 14 and they also have the best OPS in May as well. So as many home runs as the D-backs are hitting, they're still not scoring more runs than the Dodgers, and they still don't have a better OPS than them as well. This Dodgers offense always comes alive against the D-backs, so the D-backs, for once, need to respond. Now, another thing that the D-backs could do um, to potentially ensure that they get a series split is getting at least seven innings, or not getting seven, but at least pitching into the seventh by Mad Bum and Merrill Kelly, who will pitch the next two games because the D-backs need their starters to go deep into a ball game, and they did not get that from Humberto Castellanos. Now, thankfully, Castellanos was still able to go four innings, and then after him, the D-backs probably put in their two worst relievers that could give them some length in Luis Frias and Caleb Smith, so you won't be too upset if those guys aren't available for the next couple days, but you're gonna need some length from your rotation because you do not want the Dodgers to face the D-backs bullpen, especially if they are going to be on short rest. But thankfully, um, the only guys on short rest are the worst D-backs relievers. And the thing is about the Dodgers that's kind of interesting is the Dodgers are actually worse against the bullpen compared to the starters. So for the D-backs, if you could get your starter to go seven innings, that's the hard part. That's the, the Dodgers key in on your starters. They have like an OPS above 800 against starting pitchers. So if you could get Merrill Kelly and Madison Bumgarner to go and pitch into the seventh and then you get the ball in the hands of your best relievers, that's your best chance to beat the Dodgers. You have to have your starters actually perform well, go deep into the ball game because you actually have a better chance to beat them once you hand the ball over to your bullpen. For some teams, once they get to the bullpen, then it feels like that offense gets unlocked. For the Dodgers, it's actually the opposite way. The more you see you, the, the more turns to the rotation that a Dodgers team gets to face the starting pitcher, the better they do. So that's the toughest part. Have your starter go deep into the ball game, and Matt Bum is coming off his longest start of the season by going seven innings pitch in his recent start against the Chicago Cubs, and we're going to need another one of those performances. Now, in that start, he did give up four earned runs, but if he gave up four earned runs against the LA Dodgers, that would probably be the best start by anyone against the LA Dodgers in the last two series, so I think I wouldn't be upset at all if Mad Bum went seven innings or if he went six in the third and gave up four earned runs. That would be exactly the kind of start I need from Mad Bum, the guy who will really be the key and the X factor to this pitching rotation this weekend will be Merrill Kelly because Merrill Kelly, the last time he faced the Dodgers this season, he gave up 
eight earned runs in two innings pitched. His worst start of the year by far. Of teams, Kelly has at least 20 innings pitched against in his career. The worst ERA comes against the Dodgers at a 5.89. Now, he was pretty good against them in both 2020 and 2021 by pitching into the sixth with at least three earned runs or fewer in three of his four starts in those two years. But he hasn't looked like that this season so far, but it's still very early. That was only the first start against the LA Dodgers, so maybe after seeing them one time, maybe Merrill Kelly will be locked in the second game, learning from his mistakes after watching a little film on the iPad. Maybe Merrill Kelly will learn from his mistakes, and he can right his wrong against the LA Dodgers, because I think Merrill Kelly is a huge X factor going into this weekend series. We know how good he's been this season, but if you look at his last three starts, like his ERA has ballooned from like a 1.2 to like a 3.3 now. Like Merrill Kelly's ERA is like a 3.3, 3.4. It's almost like a half point. Uh, it's like maybe more than a half point above Madison Bumgarner's, which is pretty crazy because for most of the season, it felt like Merrill Kelly was our best pitcher. And now if you look at the stats, the stats tell you that Merrill Kelly is probably our third best pitcher, which is pretty surprising if you've been watching every game. So the D-backs, they need some length from their rotation. They need their offense to hopefully keep matching home runs. But I also have a couple more ideas to fix the D-backs after that game one loss. But if you want to fix your car, you know where you have to go? Oh, wait, hold on. Oh, my God. I thought I had a Rock Auto ad, but instead I have a Bet Online ad. So that whole tease was to set up a Rock Auto ad, but we're talking about Bet Online. So if you want to bet on the D backs maybe splitting this weekend series against LA Dodgers, well, you need to head to betonline.net because Bet Online continues to be the number one source for your betting needs and sports info. Find the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. And thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Now podcast. Recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts. Taking fans through the season like no other network. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast and let's discuss a couple more things that the D-backs could do that could help them maybe split the series against the LA Dodgers. I think that is best case scenario. Now the D-backs could rattle off the next three games, but I think the best case scenario for the D-backs in this series is a series split. So the next thing that I'm keeping my eye out for, or I'm hoping that the D-backs could materialize is Dalton Varsho outplaying Will Smith because these two can be the faces of the next generation of offensive catchers. They're both very dynamic. Now, Varsho is way more dynamic, but Will Smith has shown what his ceiling is over a full season. While we haven't really quite seen that from Dalton Varsho, and if you're just looking at tonight's game, Dalton Varsho, he was fine. He was one for four, uh, extended his hitting streak to nine games, but 
Will Smith on the other side, two for five, two RBIs, a run score to walk. Will Smith got the better of this matchup in game one, at least. And considering Dalton Varsho is a top three D-back, we need him to play out of his mind, both on the field and at the plate. And I think a good measuring stick to see if he is doing that is comparing him to Will Smith during this series. It's hard to see the D-backs winning a series when arguably their most dynamic player in Dalton Varsho is being outperformed by the Dodgers, what, maybe fourth or fifth best position player? And that's not any disrespect to Will Smith because Will Smith in terms of Major League Baseball is top five, four, three catcher. Like Will Smith is one of the best catchers in baseball. Offensively, he's probably top two, top three right there with Salvador Perez. So saying he's the fourth or fifth best player on the Dodgers, not disrespect to Will Smith because he's arguably the best catcher in baseball. It just shows you how deep that Dodgers lineup is because can you put Will Smith above Freddie Freeman, uh, a World Series champion and MVP? Probably not. Can you put him above Mookie Betts, a World Series, a World Series champion MVP? Probably not. Could you put him above Trey Turner? Um, was he on that 2019 national team? Yes, he was a World Series champion. Um, I don't think he's won MVP. I'm pretty sure he hasn't, but MVP candidate for sure. So there's no way Will Smith is above those guys. And Will Smith in his career against the D-backs has crushed us. 302 average, 1013 OPS, nine home runs, and 36 games against the D-backs. Meanwhile, the other side, Dalton Varsho in 27 games against the Dodgers. 165 average and a 507 OPS. We need great Dalton Varsho to be competitive in this series and to maybe split the series. And so far through game one, Will Smith is winning this matchup, but we still got three more games left. So I'm counting on you, Dalton Varsho, to pick it up. The next thing we need the D backs to do. Their defense has to be stellar, and in game one, it was not stellar because Ketel Marte was just not... I don't know what Ketel Marte was doing at second base. We did see a couple of good defensive highlights. I mean, David Peralta had one when he was running down the left sideline and was able to make a little sliding catch and stayed in bounds, but Overall in the season, the D-backs defense has been good. There's been moments where we've talked about in this pod like, man, the D-backs defense just costed them that game. But if you look at the metrics, the D-backs defense is actually pretty good. Like They have the second best defensive war in May, according to fan graphs, with a 4.6 war. Second in the, the second best team in the National League in the month of May with defensive war is the Miami Marlins at 1.4. Think about that difference. 4.6 for the D-backs in number one. Number two is 1.4. Absolutely insane margin between those two. Fangraphs also has this stat called defense. It's literally just called defense, and it's a formula of taking fielding runs and adding it with positional adjustment. And the D-backs as a team are number one on the season in that stat defense. And Walker ranks number one among first basemen in the National League in that defense stat as well. So I don't even know. Um, if that stat matters to people, that defense stat, but considering the stat is literally called defense and the D-backs are number one in it and Christian Walker ranks number one in it as well among first basemen in the National League, I thought it was a cool stat to throw out there. D-backs are also number one in outs above average and runs above average, runs allowed above average, I should specify. Both are a range-based metric of skill that shows how many outs or runs a player has saved or allowed over his peers. So the D-backs above average are doing more than the rest of the league when it comes to not allowing runs and getting outs you know, in the field that maybe they shouldn't be getting because the D-backs range in the outfield has been pretty good this season where the defense struggles in the outfield is more 
with their arms, specifically Paven Smith, because his arm is not good. He's been kind of rangy this season. Like, there hasn't been any balls where you say Paven Smith. I mean, you did have that one play with Paven Smith where he tried to make a full-out extension, and he was like four feet away from the ball. But outside of that, Paven Smith has been able to track a lot of balls out there in right field. Just whenever there's a situation with runners on and uh, the opponent feels like they could test Paven Smith's arm. That's where he really struggles because his arm is not just weak. It's inaccurate. When Paven Smith throws that ball, it could go anywhere. So even though Paven Smith has been able to run down balls with his legs, his arm has been a big liability out there in the outfield. And really, I hope Paven Smith could just become the full-time DH if there's no Seth Beer, especially when there's a righty on the mound. Like, why shouldn't Paven Smith be in right field? I looked at the D-backs defensive lineups today. Like, there's a lot of times where Paven Smith is in right field, but the D-backs have Cooper Hummel or Jordan Luplo as their DH. Like, that should be in reverse. If you're a guy, if you're going to put someone like Hummel or Luplo in DH with Paven Smith in the field, like, just put Paven Smith at DH. Like, Paven Smith, some of the metrics say he's been a good defensive outfielder this season, but... I the eye test, I still don't love him out there in right field. I would rather have someone more athletic like Hummel or someone more technically sound like Luplo out there in right field. So that would I would that that's something I would do if I was Toy Lavello, but I don't think that's really gonna happen. Um Paven Smith has been playing a little bit more DH recently, but he's also been batting more at the top of the lineup. So I don't know how Toy Lavello is gonna use Paven Smith. It's very interesting how he uses him. I think because he was a former first round pick, he's got the pedigree. I think there's a little bit more investment in Paven Smith, obviously, so they give him as many opportunities as possible to prove himself. And Paven Smith, over the last couple of weeks, has been performing well. So that's why I want to see him at DH, because I don't need him playing in the field. I just want him to work on his offense, and he's been able to tap into some power recently that I hope he continues to um, improve upon. And just continue to speak about the defense, like we mentioned before. This Dodgers offense is too explosive, and they capitalize on mistakes. And so defensively, you have to play clean baseball and give yourself every advantage if you're the D-backs because those are my four things that I'm watching out for this series. But what I want most of all, like I said, it's just a series split against this Dodgers team. Game one didn't go well, but we still got Mad Bum and Merrill Kelly on the bump the next two games. And a series split against the Dodgers, I mean, they won the first series against the Dodgers, of course. They lost the second series, but if you split this third, like, you you basically played the Dodgers to a draw through three series on the year. And as a D-backs fan, like, you would feel pretty good about that. So, we know the D-backs put in work against the bad teams, and a series split would at least show that the D-backs are a competitive team, and maybe they should be taken seriously as at least a wild card contender. So, I think a series split, even though it wouldn't be a series win, I think it would be a good morale win. So hopefully the D-backs could at least do that for their fans. Now, that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back next week for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Catch up on any pods you might have missed this week. As always, thank you for tuning in to the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Thank you for making it your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown MLB podcast with your pal and my pal, Sully Baseball. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!